This is Pet Life Radio. Let's talk pets. Hi, y'all, and welcome to Horsin' Around. Saddle up and get ready to have a darn tootin', gallopin' good time as we trot out the show that's your ultimate horse sorts, of course. Find out how to use good old horse sense when it comes to breeding, feeding, training, and explaining. From practical tips on caring for your horse's health to advice on how to buy horse supplies, including bridles, halters, saddles, and more. So get ready to start horsing around with your host, horse expert and award-winning rider, Audrey Pavia. Howdy, Audrey. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Horsing Around on PetLifeRadio.com. Thanks for joining us. This week, we're going to talk about building confidence in your horse. Whether you take your horse to shows or just like poking around on the trail, confidence is a big issue. If your horse doesn't trust you and doesn't feel confident in himself, you're bound to have problems. Today, we're going to talk to trainer and clinician Franklin Levinson about how to help your horse find the confidence he needs to enjoy his work and give you a safe ride. Franklin works out of Snowmass, Colorado, where his mission is to enhance and enrich the horse-human relationship wherever and whenever possible by teaching humans how to compassionately and effectively interact with their horses. We'll talk to Franklin right after these messages. Why the long face? I reckon Horsin' Around will be back in the saddle right after we round up a few words from our sponsors. It's designerpetsweaters.com. Hand-knitted designer sweaters for your precious pup or cool cat. Beautiful couture patterns for your pets, including custom-knitted formal wear, casual wear, yachting, and even sports-themed. Many designer pet sweaters include feathered tammy hats, top hats, and a lot of sparkle. Each sweater includes leg loops, front paw sleeves, and leash opening. Visit designerpetsweaters.com to order your four-legged fashions today. Your pets will stay warm for the winter and be runway ready. Large or small, we fit them all. Designerpetsweaters.com Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com We know you're chomping at the bit to hear more horsing around. Well, we're back on the trail. So park yourself over yonder and set a spell. You ain't heard nothing yet. Welcome back to Horsing Around. I'm your host, Audrey Pavia, and today we are talking to trainer and clinician Franklin Levinson about how to build confidence in your horse. Franklin, welcome to the show. Thank you, uh, Audrey. I'm delighted to be here, and I appreciate the opportunity to share this information. Sure. We're delighted to have you. Uh, Let's begin by talking about what confidence means when we're talking about horses. Well, I think confidence in relation to horses is not all that much different uh, than confidence in relation to humans. Um, It's tied into self-esteem, and it's also tied into trust. If we trust that things are going to work out, which is really an act of faith because we don't really know the future, but if we have faith and trust that things will work out, we know that we have certain skills that we've developed, then the opportunities to participate in an equestrian activity or any activity um, are, are going to go a lot better because we have that confidence that, well, we're going to be okay here. It's going to work out. It's the same for the horse. Uh, and the horse develops confidence through, and I love what you said at the beginning, through the development of trust uh, with its leader. And with domesticated horses, it's the responsibility of the human 
to be the good and appropriate leader for the horse because that will inspire that horse to be trusting and to have the confidence when with that leader in particular that everything is going to work out just fine. Now, I have a horse that I believe uh, have we have a confidence issue. He's seven years old, and um, he was broke when he was about three, but he, he didn't get much uh, work until about a year and a half ago when I got him. And um, he's a curious, friendly horse, but when we're out on the trail here where I live in Norco, California, which is an urban equestrian community and there's a lot of cars and the trails go by houses there's a lot of stuff going on he's pretty spooky if he's by himself and i i'm assuming that's a confidence issue and so what are those the kinds of problems riders see when a horse is lacking in confidence absolutely it's one of the most common questions i get that my horse is nervous uh went away from the barn away from herd mates and so on first of all i do recommend that people uh, when they ride out cross-country, that they do go with a companion because anything can happen. Uh, no matter if you have the most confident dead broke horse in the world, you know, if you're by yourself and something happens, that's risky, riskier than if you were with a, at least one other rider or a group of riders. Also, horses are social and relationship-based, and they get a lot of confidence from being with other horses. That doesn't mean that if you go out with other horses that the horse is still not going to be uh, somewhat nervous or jumpy. Can I ask you, uh, Audrey, do you ride out with other people or do you ride by yourself occasionally? I do both. Where I live, it's a very, it's an urban setting. So you're on the trail, but you're like riding in front of people's houses. So it's not really cross country in that sense. And I do go out with other people, but I also, I, I do competitive trail riding, so I do need to condition my horse, and at times you can't find anyone to ride with, and I need to take him out alone. Um, he also has this problem when he's out front, even if I'm with other horses, if he's in the front, he's spooky. Okay. Well, what happens in cases where the horse gets spooky and, and is looking around and so on, is his attention comes off of you or off of the human as the leader of this dance, and uh, it goes to whatever the scary stuff is out there. So as soon as your connection as the leader is broken with that horse because something scary comes up, or it's in an environment that's potentially scary, um, that's when the nervousness and so on starts to manifest in physical uh, uh, movement and behavior that you'd rather not have. So the, what I try to teach people to do is our techniques when you're by yourself or with a group to get your horse's attention back on you as the leader so that he's no longer focused on the mountain lion that's in the bushes, maybe, or the person coming out of the door in their home that you're riding out in front of um, to... Uh, bring that horse's attention back to the rider. Um, this is accomplished through the rider's ability as the leader of this dance, and I look at it all as a dance, to ask for relatively simple movement that you have already practiced and are very good at and your horse is very good at before you get out on the trail. Uh, an example of, of these types of actions I'm suggesting are simple leg yields uh, where you would ask for, I do a lot, like a hindquarter yield 
where I would bump uh, the horse's nose up and in to either side and then bring my inside leg back and ask that horse to bring his butt in the opposite direction. So it's a fairly standard move, hindquarter move, hindquarter yield. And if you and your horse practice this quite a bit before you go out on the trail, um, this is a very nice move that can be done in just the, the length of a horse. You don't need a lot of room. Uh, and if you ask for a couple of rotations in either direction and then put a stop on, say, woo, stop, if the horse, uh, and then try to walk off. If the horse is, continues to be nervous, what you need to do is repeat this process. Maybe two to three rotations at the most, and then allow the horse to stop and take a break. The break is very important, so you don't over-input the horse, because that can make the horse nervous, too, just by going round and round and round with a leg yield, can kind of pump your horse up or wire him up, and it defeats the purpose. So a simple two, three, at the most, rotations one direction, then reward him for compliance with a break from all pressure of the request, tell him he's a good boy, you don't have to just pat him, pat him, pat him, pat him, pat him, but maybe stroke his neck a little bit, and then, uh, and then walk off and see what you got. You may have to repeat this a number of times um, before your horse really gets its attention totally back on you, and again, you want to practice this move before you need it, before you go out on the trail, it should become like breathing for you and your horse, natural and easy. And when your horse does it, he knows he's only going to go around a couple times and get to stand still then for a minute. So that's just a, a first example of a potential movement to ask your horse to do when he shows nervousness on the trail. Now, I guess spooking is an obvious one. For people who show their horses and take their horse to a show, uh, is there confidence uh, issues as well that come up in those kind of situations? Absolutely. Um, Many show horses will get uh, spooked by photographer or by people, like if it's a jumping competition, there's people somehow in the arena or there's movement in the arena, or loud noises come up, or just the audience, you know, can sometimes uh, make a horse nervous. When I work with competitive riders in the English disciplines, first I tell them to go, <laughs> go to the venue when there's no show, and get the horse as familiar as you can prior to the show, days before the show, um, and let him get comfortable with the environment. It's very, very important to do that. Many times you don't have the chance to do that, but I strongly recommend it if the opportunity presents itself. Now, I work with a Grand Prix rider in Greece, and this horse would jump over the moon, but the horse had a big problem with the crowd and noises um, on the perimeter of the arena. So in this clinic, it happened to be a pretty hefty clinic. There was at least 100 people in the gallery and what I did was I gave everybody in the arena, something, as many people as I could, something to make noise with, uh, bangers, clangers, you know, bells, all kinds of things. And what I did, the girl was a very good rider, obviously. So when she came into the arena, 
I had everybody come up and start to make some noise and only make noise for a very brief time, maybe 15, 20 seconds, and then sit down, go quiet, remove the pressure. And then she would settle the horse down. She would do a leg yield or two and walk, and walk the horse again. Then I would have everybody stand up again. It was a riot to watch this. Make noise for 30 seconds, very briefly. Don't overdo that. Stimulus. And then go quiet. And the, again, the release of the pressure is the reward for the horse complying with your request. Then she would walk around a little bit more. And by about the fifth time or sixth time, the horse couldn't care less what was going on with hmm. the crowd. And this really helped this situation out a lot. You may not have the opportunity to set up a situation like this. However, you can set up situations that you know will generally spook your horse so that what you have is a controlled environment uh, where you know the horse is going to spook. You're, you know you're providing a stimulus for that horse to get, to get spooked. You only provide that stimulus, allow it for uh, 15 seconds, and then stop, go quiet. Allow the horse to settle. Then another 15, 20 seconds, stop, go quiet. That is a real key to a lot of aspects of training because what happens a lot is people overstimulate the horse or over-input the horse, not allowing reward for the horse trying or the horse settling. Okay, so is um, spooking, the, that's the main way that a lack of confidence expresses itself, I'm guessing. Sure. Um, I think that that, ex- that nervous, scary behavior can become explosive. I mean, the horse can rear, but do all kinds of, of uh, dangerous behaviors. And um, that is the main manifestation of, of spooky horses. They don't, plus they're not focusing. That's not what you want in the show ring. Um, and their attention is certainly not on the rider, which it mm-hmm. has to be in order to win. So basically then, whatever the situation is that's causing your horse to be lacking confidence, it sounds like the answer is to get his attention back on you and see you as the leader uh, is there anything else you should be doing to help foster that leadership position? Well, there's another technique for, let's say, your horse is a mm-hmm. or even plastic or something like that. A very good technique prior to whatever you think you're going to do with the horse is to allow the horse to follow the scary object, whatever it is. So let's say the horse is afraid of plastic tarps blowing around. If you have somebody out in front of you, allow them to drag the tarp and, and, and ask the horse to follow the tarp, follow the scary object for 10 feet and then stop. The plastic stops moving and you pet your horse and tell him he's a good boy and then wait 10 seconds and then move forward again towards the scary object. Usually after about four to five times walking towards the scary object, the person with the tarp can start to swing that tarp around, can start to flap that tarp around, and it's the same process. You allow the horse or ask the horse to follow that scary object again, and usually within 30 minutes to 45 minutes, that person can stand still in front of that horse, the horse can be standing still, and you can wave that tarp and go nuts with it, and the horse will be acclimated to it and will not be scared. This works with, with cars. If you have a horse afraid of cars, get a car out in front of you and follow it for a while. And then 
do do that stop and go thing a little bit, and then start walking your horse around the car, then have the car start moving forward again. You follow the car. It should be no more than you know a relatively reasonable length of time that the horse is going to be comfortable with that car. Then you might go to two cars. Then you might have the car kind of drive towards you as you walk by the car, things like that. And this works for motorcycles, motorbikes, anything that's on the road that's making noise and moving by you. This kind of technique works well if you can set it up. Okay, well, we're going to go to some commercials. When we come back, we're going to talk more about how to build confidence in your horse. We'll be right back. Why the long face? I reckon horsing around will be back in the saddle right after we round up a few words from our sponsors. Molly, here's your dinner. Zeus, that's not your food. Don't let that happen to your precious cat. Elevate your cat's eating experience with the Cat Tree Tray. The Cat Tree Tray keeps your cat's food off the floor and conveniently located on the cat tree. It's the perfect way to eat. It's a beautiful wrought iron tray that easily attaches to your cat tree and keeps dogs and other critters out of your cat's dish. A must for multi-pet households. There's a 6-inch tray for large bowls and a 4-inch tray for smaller bowls. Purchase your cat tree tray today. Go right now to CatTreeTray.com. That's CatTreeTray.com. C-A-T-T-R-E-E-T-R-A-Y.com. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. We know you're chomping at the bit to hear more horsing around. Well, we're back on the trail. So park yourself over yonder and set a spell. You ain't heard nothing yet. Welcome back to Horsing Around. I'm your host, Audrey Pavia. And today we are talking to trainer and clinician Franklin Levinson about how to build confidence in your horse. Franklin, I wanted to know, it seems like some horses are just more naturally confident than others. Is there a personality issue here? Well, like people, some people develop more confident ways of living or ways of being and confidence within themselves than others. Um, As you know, uh, horses have their own distinct individual personalities, just like people. So, yes, it is true. You can inbreed temperament, and you can inbreed um, a more confident horse, and sometimes, it's, or often, it's the luck of the draw uh, as to how that horse is going to turn out, just as it is with a human. And you have, you know, I think if you're going to purchase a horse, you need to evaluate that horse thoroughly uh, for what you want to do with it. Uh, as to its confidence level and its skill level, uh, and so on. So, yes, it is true, Audrey, that they all have their personalities, and some come out with a little more uh, self-esteem and confidence than others. So if you're looking to buy a horse, how can you judge the horse's confidence level? Well, you can begin by doing it in hand. Walk the horse around, introduce him to various objects in his environment there, that he may be in his home environment, in which case that could be a little deceptive because he's used to his home environment. Um, if you have the opportunity to have the horse taken someplace else and then assess a confidence level, 
you'll probably get a truer indication of where the horse really sits with that. But let's assume that you go and view a horse at his home base. You might consider then setting up a situation that does not create a lot of danger for you, but will give you an opportunity to assess the confidence level of the horse. A simple way to do that might be to get a 8 by 10 piece of plastic and go through that process that I just described. Have somebody stand 25, 30 yards away from you, start to move that plastic around, and then see the horse's response to that. Some horses, if the horse gets real shaky and uh, trembling and this and that, you know, well, maybe you got some issues there. If the horse appears to be curious uh, and is willing to approach this piece of plastic, if it's and whoever's handling a plastic needs to be very prudent with it and not overdo it. And if the horse is curious, that's great because you want that. I'd rather have a horse that's curious about something new than just turns and wants to turn and run from it. A lot of horses will be curious about something new in their environment, want to go over and get your horse to put his nose on it. Boy, you're in there. Then you, That's really good. A couple of techniques for that if the horse starts to back down from the object, don't stop them. Don't try to restrain them. I really don't believe in restraining horses. I want them to do what I ask them to do or at least try what I ask them to do because they're willing to, because they trust me. So if that horse starts to back down, rather than try to stop him from backing down, I will ask him to back up further than he would normally go. So I might back him 25 to 50 yards, whatever it takes, and then ask him to come forward. Um, They don't want to back up forever. It's not their favorite thing. So he's Mm -hmm. really only going to want to back up a relatively short distance. Then you ask him to go forward again. Take him to his edge if he stops and snorts or whatever and he wants to back down. Do that process again, only back him further than he wants to go, mm-hmm. and then come forward again. I think you'll find most of the time that you're going to be able to, uh, to one step at a time, get closer to that object, closer to that object, until you could actually walk a circle around that object and stop, try to keep the horse facing the scary object, and gradually and patiently and thoughtfully work your way to the object to the point where the horse can put his nose on it. If he does mm-hmm. that, you're, you're really in there. Okay, and that's something you can do under saddle as well, I, I would think? That's all I'm suggesting, both under saddle and in hand. Okay. Um, I would recommend doing it both ways. If you don't have the time in hand, then certainly just do it under saddle. Now, I've noticed uh, there seems to be a correlation between the horse's energy level and uh, their confidence or their spookability, I guess, another way to put it. Um, Spookability, I like that word. Yes, I just made that up. (laughs) We put that in the equine dictionary. Right. (laughs) I noticed that my horse, when he's, you know, fresh, he's a lot, seems to be a lot more lacking in confidence than when after he's been worked hard. What's that about? Well, first of all, the horse is a perfect mirror. If the handler or rider is less than confident and not very skillful in what they're doing, the horse is going to reflect that lack of confidence uh, and nervousness within itself. So please understand, uh, the listeners out there, whatever you've got going on inside of you, the horse knows it. If your adrenaline is up, if you're breathing short, if you're holding your breath, if you're clenching your muscles, if you're holding tension in your body, all these things will contribute to your horse's nervousness. If we can remember to breathe consciously 
uh, when we're with our horses and settle our own internal process down, that's going to go a long ways to settling your horse down. Okay? And, um, yes, a horse fresh out of the stall on a crisp fall day, I'm in the mountains of Colorado right now, and I'm getting on some horses that, wow, they're feeling that fall crisp in the air, and they're, you know, happy to be out and rather exuberant, shall we say. What I do, a lot of people just get on and say, well, I've got to work this horse down, but I don't fully go along with that. Because if I can engage his mind, even before I engage his body to any hard work, I can get a lot going a lot faster, and I don't have to wear my horse out. Mm-hmm. So I want to suggest to people that fresh out of the stall, don't get on your horse. Do something on the ground that will allow you to set yourself up as the good leader of the horse. And it doesn't have to be intricate, big deal exercises. And it's got to be more than lunging in a circle because lunging in a circle is boring. If you go around in a circle, you're going to get spaced out by it and you're going to disengage from what you're doing and just be walking in a boring circle. That's what a lot of lunging is. The people think, well, i got to work the horse down and lunge him. But the horse has to think when it changes direction. If you were walking in a circle, it would be boring, but if you started to go back and forth and change your directions every 15 yards or 10 yards or 5 yards, you're going to pay attention to what you're doing when you change the direction, not when you're just walking in a circle. It's exactly the same for the horse. I do a lot of directional transitions. I train my horses on a long line and a short line. To um, they, They'll change directions right in front of me every two feet if I ask them to. What that does is engage the mind of the horse, and you'll see it because when you put a stop on the horse, whoop, that horse will stand still, look at you, and lick and chew, and then sigh. So... For a horse that's fresh out of the stall, don't think you need to got to you have to run him around until he's puffing and sweating. All you have to do is really engage his mind through simple movement, driving the horse forward with one line, uh, directional changes, backing, speed transitions. They have to think when they slow down and speed up. Also, it's also very easy to speed a horse up. It's a lot more difficult to slow a horse down. So I will work on uh, slowing a horse down. If a horse comes out and he's really hyper and he's just go, 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 okay, if he's got that much juice, I'll just let him go around on his own on the line. I won't push him at all. As soon as he looks to stop, as soon as he looks like, okay, I've kind of had enough of this, I might push him another, ask him to go another 15 or 20 yards, and then ask, then allow him to stop. That sets me up as a leader of every movement including slowing down and stopping. Mm -hmm. So I recommend that people don't just get on their horses and ride. Don't just ride a fresh horse. Ask for simple movement. Engage his mind. And when he starts to lick and chew with simple movement, uh, when he gets a break from moving, you know that you've got something going with your horse, and at that point, you might try to get on. Now, I've noticed emotional state either it seems to affect confidence as well like for example your horse may be confident in a setting that he's familiar with but then you take him somewhere where there's a lot of other horses he's never been there before suddenly he's not as confident 
as before. Is it the same approach in those situations? Just start, you know, disengaging the hindquarters and trying to get him back on you. It, it seems like for me with my horse that he's, you know, once that emotional level is high, it's a lot harder to get him back. Well, that's a very good question. And what my thought around that is, yes, he's disengaging from you because he's in a new place. And can I ask you a question? A sure. lot that's in how do you do? What, is you, what do you do when you feel your horse's emotions move into fear? What happens to you, Audrey? Well, then I struggle with my own fear because I'm not the bravest rider in the world. I've been, you know, I've come off a number of times and I'm, I'm no spring chicken. So <laughs> when I come off, I feel it, you know. And um, so I, I, I worry for my own safety and I, I try to keep my confidence as well like he loses his and then I start to lose mine and you know it can spiral out of control so it's it's a struggle for me as well okay well you know we we have to take some responsibility and it's not easy Audrey Mm -hmm. for our own emotional states Um, I'm going to go back to the breath for a minute because if you get nervous or afraid at any time the, the first thing that, that most people do is to hold their breath or start breathing rapidly. So if you want to settle yourself, your emotions down when something begins to happen, you need to start breathing consciously. Now, that doesn't mean hyperventilating and deep, deep breath hyperventilation, but it does mean consciously breathing to the point to, uh, where you are consciously intending to release anxiety and stress when you exhale. You take a full breath, but as you exhale, you can feel yourself settling down into the saddle and, and, and your body releasing some of the tension. That's the first thing that has to happen if you want your horse to settle down. I would also suggest that you do your best to get as quiet, get yourself as quiet, and get your horse as quiet as you can by starting to walk small circles. Don't keep moving towards whatever it is that's scary. Try to stay where you are. Try to walk small circles with light cues and breathe. And if I promise you, if you can settle yourself, you will go a long ways to settling your horse's emotions. But mm-hmm. dealing with our emotions, it's taking responsibility for ourselves. Dealing with our own emotions is the first thing that has to happen. Mm-hmm. Then it could be expected that with the skill that you've already acquired as a rider, that you will be able to move your horse appropriately in a, in a quieter and quieter circle until he starts to really does start to settle down. And then you've both settled down. The rider doesn't settle down. Don't expect the horse to settle down. Right. It just, it just doesn't go like that. Right. Got it. We have to take responsibility. You know, and, and taking responsibility, if I could take a moment to expand on that. Sure. I, around the world, because I, I travel a lot to do this internationally, and people blame their horses. Oh, he's stubborn. He's willful. He's got his own mind. I hear this all the time, and it kind of grinds on me because that human is not taking responsibility at all here. They're laying it all on the horse, and that's very unfair. Because it's our responsibility, first of all, to rein ourselves in, to rein our emotions in to the point where we have some say-so over how we're feeling. 
and we can settle ourselves down. But you know, we we blame our horses. Right. <laughs> I, I think that's erroneous. And, and yeah, that's a good point. And there's something else too I wanted to just ask you about quickly before we end. Age seems to be a factor too. Like younger horses seem to be lacking as much confidence as older horses. I wouldn't say, you know, every single older horse I've met has been confident, but there does seem to be a correlation there. Do you agree with that? Well, not necessarily completely because I start a lot of colts and I handle a lot of young horses as well as rehabilitate older and abused horses. I find really that the young horses, sure, I mean, uh, new stuff is it's going to be maybe a little bit more or a lot more um, anxiety-producing for a young horse than would be, shall we say, a dead broke horse that's mature. Uh, of course, that would be the case. But I have young horses that do so much better on the trails and up in the wilderness than some of these older horses because of the confidence in me that I'm able to instill in them. Mm-hmm. If the horse has confidence in the rider or the handler, that's going to translate to a more confident horse no matter what they're doing, no matter what age the horse is. I just, today I just came off of this horse that was, uh, got off this horse that was a three-year-old filly that I took out. Some people insisted that I go out, even though I told them I had this date with you for this interview. And I had to, to ride hard back on an unknown trail, this three-year-old. And she was brilliant. I had to ride her hard downhill, and there's lots of scary stuff. She was brilliant. The reason she was so brilliant was because she trusted me so much. That's a, I just can't emphasize that enough. Yeah. Well, it sounds like, you know, the rider needs as much therapy as the horse in many cases. <laughs> I totally agree. <laughs> I teach horsemanship as a life enrichment process. I want you to have a better life because you're becoming more successful with your horse. Right. Yeah, yeah, better relationships throughout well, your they life. De- they're definitely our life teachers, that's for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, unfortunately, that's all the time we have for today. Thank you, Franklin, for being my guest this week. You've given us some great tools to help deepen our bonds with our horses. Totally my pleasure. Thank you for asking. Yeah, so great to have you. And if anyone out there has any questions or comments about horsing around, please email me at audrey at petliferadio.com. We will have links to Franklin's website on the um, episodes notes section of the PetLifeRadio.com website. So go on there and check out Franklin's website. And until next time, happy trails. Stop what you're doing and start horsing around. Every week on Pet Life Radio, horse expert and award-winning rider Audrey Pavia will be trotting out great tips on feeding, breeding, and more on everything equestrian. So set a spell and say hey to Audrey and get ready for a darn tootin' gallopin' good time. Every week on Horsin' Around, on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.